we, uh, we as Christians catch up to the rest of the world this morning, right? Um, the rest of the world has been in Christmas mode now for almost two months. Um, trees have been up. Magic 101.9 has been playing Christmas songs. Even that Mariah Carey song and Santa Baby, even though they're terrible, right? Um, we've we've had we've been focused on the presents and the trees and all and all of the decorations and the lights and everything else that go on with Christmas. And of course, one network just continues to play the same movie over and over and over. I'm not talking about TNT with the Christmas story. I'm talking about the Hallmark Channel, right? But today, as we come, we kind of catch up to the rest of the world. And why, I, I, the question I think that that elicits, the, it begs the question, why are we here? I think we as Christians understand if, you, if we're willing to pull our kids away from what they got from Santa in the morning, right? If we're willing to, to come out and, and make church a part of our Christmas experience, then uh, we, we have an idea that there's something to do with Jesus. But, we, sometimes we can, we can kind of give in to the sentiments or all of the externals of Christmas. So I think today, what, what I think would, would be good for us, what would be beneficial to all of us, is to just focus on the question for a moment of why are we here? To answer that question, though, I'm going to steal an image from somebody, uh, from another priest, uh, an, an image I heard that I think it does a good job of, of explaining it and showing it and, and letting us feel the reason why we're here. So, so entertain me for a little bit. But just, just for a moment, let's imagine a little bit during this homily. First thing, let's imagine that we're not in Gaines, Louisiana today. All right? So we're not in Gaines. Instead, we are in France. Now, we, we've, we've moved across the ocean, right? So we are now in France. Now for a moment, also imagine with me that it's not 2020. Thank God it's not going to be 2020, right? But imagine with me for a moment that we're not in the year 2020, but instead, we're in France... And it's 1944. Now, if you're a history buff, if you're someone who, who, who understands and, and knows some world history, you know what was going on in France in 1944. World War II. The Nazis in 1940, in May of 1940, had come into France and had taken over. So that was the Nazi occupation of France in 1940, but we're in 1944. So for four years, we've been under an oppressive, tyrannical, evil regime. Can't go to the grocery store without being harassed. Deportations, concentration camps. That's our normal day-to-day life for four years. I don't know about you, but if, if for four years that's where I'm living, it might seem kind of bleak. might be a little bit depressed. That, would make, that could make coronavirus in 2020 even look like a walk in the park. Four years under the boot of the Nazis. We wake up one morning, and it's June 7th, 1944. We sit down, we're having our breakfast, we have our, our coffee and our toast. Well, 
It's in France. So it's probably cafe au lait in our croissant, right? We're enjoying our breakfast. We hear the paper hit the front door. Walk up, open the paper, sit down for our breakfast. And there in the headline, in big letters, the invasion is on. It's June 7th, 1944's headline, because on June 6, 1944, it was D-Day. What happened on D-Day was that the Allied powers came across the English Channel in one of the, in one of the biggest military cooperative mo- movements of all time, came across and stormed the beaches of Normandy. And when they came across, the only thing that was waiting for them was Hitler's great seawall on the north side of France. It was seen as this, as this armory that stretched the entire coast, that there was no way that anyone would be able to come through the English Channel and penetrate it. But the Allies did on D-Day. Tactically speaking and and planning, they they did a great job of knowing exactly how to attack, how to get through, and they broke through Hitler's great defense. And we're sitting after four years of being under Nazi oppression, now at our kitchen table, eating breakfast, and we see the invasion is on. How does that news register with you? How does that news change the way you live? Because whenever I I, I put myself in that spot, and if I imagine that for a moment, I would have to say that this news that's on the paper that, that that they're telling me gives me hope. This makes me believe that, you know what, four years of oppression, four years of lockdown, four years of being being harassed and and watching friends be deported and murdered, like, it would give me hope that that my situation might actually change. That I might be liberated from what's going on here. Today, as we come to celebrate Christmas, The enemy, the oppressor, is infinitely more powerful than the Nazis. The enemy, the oppressor, the the world of sin, Satan, is infinitely more powerful than a Nazi regime or Adolf Hitler. And today, as we come to celebrate Christmas, it's the same thing as opening the paper and seeing that that God has said, the invasion is on. That we can be liberated from that kingdom of sin, that worldly, that worldly prison, if you will. That we can be liberated from this world of, 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 of pain and of struggle and of suffering. Not because, not because of some kind of military tactic, but because God saw it fit to become a child. To become a baby. That we have the hope of freedom and the hope of liberation from our sin, from our struggle, from our pain, because God is with us. As we heard in one of the Gospels last night. But God isn't just with us just so we can kind of passively accept it. If we're sitting there reading the paper on June 7th, 1944, we see the headline, The Invasion is On, I have a feeling that most of us would be hard-pressed to sit there and just turn the page. wonder what else happened yesterday. 
If we're sitting there on June 7, 1944, that changes my life. That changes my outlook. I all of a sudden have hope because 100 miles to the north of me, there's someone who has come to, to liberate me. Today when we come to Mass, we're coming to see the someone who has come, our Lord, who has come to liberate me from a life of sin. That God steps down into time. The Creator becomes a creature so that He can save us. He can free us. It gives us hope. Now, this year we're probably not too far removed from those from 1944 in France who were dealing with oppression. Because in March the world shut down. And we got a little semblance of that kind of news October, November when we heard the idea of a vaccine. That we can start to look ahead with a sense of hope. That I'll be able to go to the grocery store and not have a mask. That I'll be able to visit family and not be harassed about a mask or distance or those, or those kind of things. See, today when we come to celebrate this Mass, we're coming to experience a freedom, a liberation that God has promised us. Now in the same way that in June of 1944, when the Allies came across and D-Day happened, and the invasion was on and all these things, the war didn't end immediately. In the same way, Christmas is simply the hope that we will win. Because if in, after D-Day, everyone in Europe knew that something was going to happen. Everyone in Europe knew that the, that the war was taking a turn, that the Nazis were on retreat. They knew that they were going to lose. The Allies knew that they were going to win, but there were plenty of battles that still happened until May of 1945 when the war was declared over. In the same way, Today, we have, a, we have the beginnings of it. We have the initial invasion, if you will. We have God who comes down to say, I promise you that you can live with hope because I will win. It doesn't immediately happen there. Instead, it happens on a cross, on a hill, on a Friday that we call good. The same thing, the, the same kind of process happens today. That God promises that He will lift us beyond the struggles and the burdens of this life. That the, the oppressive feeling of 2020, the boot that is on our back, if you will, the, the, the hurt and the pain and the struggle and the strife and the, the social unrest and the, and the election and the, and the coronavirus and all those things are not too big for God. That God gives us hope in the midst of all of it. In the midst of loss, the job of peace, of seasons, of health and of people, that God gives us hope today. But it's not complete. It's not just finished. Because today as we come, it's, it, the, the, the enemy still prowls. He still tries to make his inroads. He still fights those little battles. And every now and then, he'll win from here and there. 
But we as Christians are called to fight against them. We as Christians are called to recognize that we have the Lord. We have our God who has come. And to live in the hopeful expectation of our reunion with Him in heaven. When we are... The, the, the biggest emotion that we can experience, the biggest movement that we can experience is thankfulness. Because if, if you look at Europe after the war was declared over, the Allied soldiers, the Allied troops who were in these different towns and in areas of Europe were seen as absolute celebrities. They were seen as saviors, as liberators. People wanted to do nothing more than to have parades and to thank them for their service and their sacrifice for helping to lift them out of the burden of sin and the burden, uh, the burden of all of the Nazi regime. The same way today as we come, we receive this promise of hope, we also come to give thanks. And that's why it's most fitting that we come to the Eucharist. The word itself means thanksgiving. So today as we come, we offer our thanks. But thanks is best offered when, when, we have, when we're most thankful for something, usually we have to share it. I remember as a kid opening my presents on Christmas morning, whenever I was really thankful that I got the present from Santa that I knew I wanted, that I knew was like the thing, the first thing I did, I wanted to call my cousins and my friends and, and, and tell them and brag to them about what I got. We still kind of do that. But I wanted to brag to them about what I got. I wanted to make sure that they knew how thankful I was. It started to overflow. Today when we come to Mass, we come to celebrate, we come to receive our Lord, but then it goes out and it overflows. That The message of the Gospel, the message of the good news, the message of our liberation from sin and death that we, are all, that we all experience and we all receive tonight, today, that the hope of this message may spill out and go forth from here. Do we live our life in a way that proclaims that message of hope? Or do we simply turn the page and see what else happened today? The, world's gonna, the world is going to turn a page this afternoon about 6 o'clock. Maybe about 4 o'clock because that's kickoff for the Saints game. But the world is going to turn a page this afternoon. 101.9 is going to stop playing Christmas music. Hallmark may never stop playing Christmas movies, but, but the world will turn a page. But do we as Christians live in the hope of Christmas? Our call is to recognize that God is with us so that He can lift us up, that He can empower us, that He can free us from the burdens of this world. We're called to go forth with the hope of that message and live it. Merry Christmas.